Welcome into the Harvest, friends. We are here to bring you the confidence and clarity you need to be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of life. I'm Abigail, and I'm here with Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Abigail. So we're missing our beloved co-host, Keith. Uh, He is gallivanting around Texas with his whole family. Um, The exciting thing is that I actually got to see him yesterday in person, which is very fun, Um, but he's not here on today's podcast. So we're going to miss him, but we're going to try to uh, still give you a great show. We've got some good stuff coming up. Um, But yes, I am going to post a picture of my family and Keith's family in front of my fireplace on our social media. So I will be doing that today on the day that this comes out. So go over to our Instagram and our Facebook page and you can see us together in person and you can like it and then uh, tell us something cool in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This week was really all about Texas, I guess. Um, obviously Keith is there for, um, there's a, I think he's there for a family member getting married and um, yeah. you obviously live there. And then uh, I drove <laughs> through Texas a few days ago, which was, um, which is always an experience when you go through Texas. Did not get to see you guys. I wish we could have worked it out where we could have got the whole crew for a, a, a photo shoot, but more importantly, just to see you and hang yeah, out. Yeah, just but, hang out. But I get to see you here. So no. Next That's time. right. And you know what? Texas is too big. So you had to basically just drive and not <laughs> stop for anything except for, you know, the necessities because right. it really does take days to get across Texas. Nice. I'm sorry for that. I feel like I have to apologize for just the state in general. No, it's, it's always <laughs> a great experience. And we, we traveled uh, east to west. So we kind of, I, I can't remember where we, we came through Dallas, which is a little north of you guys. Um, but then yeah. drove all the way across through El Paso because we were on our way to San Diego. So, but we're here and uh, yes. I'm excited about what we're talking about today. Abigail, we've got, um, Three yeah, great we got some good stuff for, for our listeners. So, yeah, let's get started. All right, so we're going to start with our listener question for the day, um, and it is: Assuming you become close to someone you're discipling, your relationship and meetings can easily drift from the reason you started discipleship to simply hanging out with a friend. How do you keep the intentionality going? This is a good question, Andrew. I'm going to throw yeah. it to you first. Yeah, it is a good question because there's actually several, in my mind, as I was listening to you read, I was like, man, there's there's def- different levels to this because intentional and relational, we actually did a show on that uh, either last season or the season before, Abigail. I can't remember. So mm-hmm. folks can, if they want to dive deeper into that dichotomy, then there's a show um, that they can scroll back and find where we talk about intentional versus relational disciple making. But in reality, they're not necessarily opposite. You can be relational as you're being intentional. Um, but I think what the, the person was asking is you can lose that focus. So you start off and there's a clear goal to help this younger believer in the faith grow into maturity and become like Christ. And as that as time passes and that person is maturing, I guess you could say maybe maybe you begin to become closer in your spiritual uh, journey in your in your maturity, and you're also becoming closer uh, relationally, and so it can really you can begin to lose some of that focused um, time in in your time together. You can lose that 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 purpose, uh, and it can just move to hanging out. So I think um, I think we're always trying to help one another 
um, walk with Christ and make disciples. So even even when you're a peer with someone spiritually, um, that's something that can be intentional about your time together. Even though that the dynamic is going to look different, the way you relate to someone who's much younger than you in the faith and someone who's closer to you as a peer is going to look different, but you can hang on to, to that intentionality. And I think the way that you do that is you keep the focus on the mission itself, which is to walk with Jesus and to help others walk with Jesus. And so I can encourage someone who's at the same level of maturity as I am in my faith. Um, and in terms of how are they walking with Jesus and helping others and do they need encouragement? Do they need prayer? Um, where are they stuck? Uh, I do think the issues usually change as someone matures, but that's the first thing that came to my mind is keeping the focus on not just maturing, but regardless of where your, your maturity level is at, are you walking with Jesus and are you helping others? And what do you need to do that better? Um, what do you think, Abby, when you, when you hear that question or um, some of what I just shared, what, what comes to your mind? Well, first off, um, this question was like, you know, it's going to turn into hanging out like friends. And I'm like, I must be doing this wrong because <laughs> I pretty much do that with like right. my brand new disciples. It kind of looks like that. Yes. <laughs> so right off the bat, I might not be the person you want to ask, but um, so you might just want to like tune out person who asked this question. But um, I think that the two things that help me to keep on track and not just become like a full hangout session that's, you know, doesn't have any value to it. I mean, we want to have value, like you said, Andrew, even with our friends mm -hmm. who, you know, we're not discipling necessarily, but we're just, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I think the two things that I really try to maintain in all my relationships with people I know I'm going to be spending time with is starting it off. Like if I know I'm going to hang out with someone today, then I want to start my morning off really praying for that person and that meeting time. Um, and then usually, you know, if there's something that the Lord brings up and, you know, and my time in the word or just for them, then I want to make sure that we talk on that or, mm -hmm. um, I share that whatever it is. Um, and then the other thing is just, we always need to be asking good intentional questions. Um, I have some friends who are like truly just my friends that we are, um, very much just laboring side by side in the harvest places. And I, some of them are just really fabulous at asking great questions that really make just our hangout times, like maybe even play date times, really great intentional time. Um, and that can just be as simple as like, what is Lord showing you in the word right now? Or, you know, how can I be praying for you? And how are you, you know, are there any struggles we need to talk about and share? Um, like, how is ministry going? Um, how is it going with the people you are trying to disciple? So those are things that are questions we would ask a baby disciple, and then we would ask someone who's much more mature. So I think that really just stays all the way through our discipleship journeys and doesn't have to change at all. Um, and I do just think, you know, you're probably, you literally answered your question in the question of just by keeping it intentional, you're going to keep it intentional. <laughs> it's really that simple. So um, I have no great insight, but hopefully that's at least encouraging that you're probably on the right track. Oh, there was a lot of great insights there. As I was listening to you share the, the things that, that, I grabbed hold of is one, just be, be praying before you even meet with that person, which is great, 
we, we joke about the fellowship salad um, from Hebrews 10. <laughs> and, and it really starts we love with, it. consider how we may spur one another on. And so fellowship really starts before you're even in the presence of that other person. And you really nailed that, Abigail, by being intentional before you even meet the person, before you even spending time mm -hmm. with them, you're, you're intentionally praying for them. And then, as you said, you're, you're sharing what God's teaching you and asking good questions. I think that's, I think that's great, great advice to keeping a, a discipleship relationship intentional, regardless of how long you've known the person. Yeah, absolutely. All right, friends, if you have a question for us, do not forget to send it over to us at info at intotheharvest.org. We will get it. We would love to add, add it to a future show, whatever it is, great or small. We want to hear your questions. So send those over. All right, friends. So um, today for our main topic um, is really something that I just came up with this past week and I shot it over to Andrew and was like, hey, can we talk about this? Um, basically, I've been thinking about something that happened to me way back when I was in my 20s, which was super long time ago. And um, I was at a, a conference and I was listening to this very wise um disciple maker. Um, just, he, he was meeting with a bunch of people one right after the other. Um, my husband was deployed. I was just like chilling there kind of alone. And so I was really eavesdropping, um, which is a cool thing to share with you guys. And, uh, I was just like listening to him meeting with these guys one right after the other. Cause at these conferences, it was like, you booked your time and you like really went hard with your questions. So one right after the other, these guys were coming in asking their questions and I started to notice, notice this theme, like no matter the question, like what color is the sky? He would respond in the same way. He would, he was literally giving the same answer to the person who asked what color the sky was, the person who was like, who should I marry? It was like always the same answer. And I really got annoyed, you guys. I was like, oh, what a joke. Like he is just giving the same answer every time. So he had a break and I like went up and I had being who I am, I confronted him. And I was like, what in the world, man, you just gave the same answer to all of those people. And by the way, I'm pretty sure what it was, and it's an awful, I can't remember exactly. Um, it was like, keep the main thing, the main thing, like, um, be in the word, you know, it was like, he just would ch somehow just like shift the conversation to this main thing. I felt like it was super fake. Like he was not dealing with the people's <laughs> like problems. Okay. Now the reason this came back up into my heart was because in ministry, you're constantly having people bring you their various questions and problems and whatever else. And you really can kind of get bogged down in all those little things. And all I really wanted to talk about were the main things. And I was like, am I about to turn into that guy? I'm like really legitimately about to just ignore what people are saying. So I, I wanted to talk to Andrew about this because I feel like Andrew's a little further down the road than I am. Um, I want to hear what you have to say on this topic, Andrew. Essentially, I don't know what we even call this, but um, how do we take, you know, what people are interested in, what their circumstances are, and then right. address those, but also really keep the main thing, the main thing. So I'm going to get started by handing it back over to you. Maybe you tell everyone what you said to me. <laughs> I don't know. You start wherever you want. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I'm laughing a little bit as Abby is, is telling the story and, and setting this up because I know this person and she, I mean, he is an amazing um, 
he's an amazing person. He follows the Lord and has for decades and is an, ama an amazing disciple maker. So um, it really is someone that you would want to ask, like, hey, why, why are you doing what you're doing? In fact, yeah, <laughs> uh, I've learned quite a bit. Yeah, there from... was no shade. It was just tell me right. what's going on. <laughs> right. In fact, I, I've thought about this, that um, uh, the person who discipled me, I think for the first few years that we would meet and we would spend time together and and he was investing in me. Um, he was really investing in me. I was learning from him. Um, I would say I was learning teachings from him. I was learning information from him. Uh, some values, but but mostly the information. And and then there was almost like a switch partway through because I also was wanting to share my faith and make disciples. And so um, about halfway through, I began to really study him. Uh, as he was teaching. So it wasn't even necessarily what he was teaching, but if we were in a mixed setting uh, and there were other people, um, a lot of times I had heard what this person was sharing before, so I kind of knew the information side of it. And I really began to pay attention to how he was teaching. And I think this is actually a great filter that you can put on Jesus as you study the Gospels is, of course, what is he actually teaching? What What is the information that he's passing on? But you can also read the Gospels with an eye to how does Jesus conduct himself? How does he respond to challenges or questions? And it really is a different level of, of um, growth and, and learning the information, study the teaching, study the teacher. So um, I think when Abby first told me this, it, it brought to mind a similar conversation that I had had with Jim Downing uh, some of you listeners know that name, but uh, another legend when it comes to um, modern-day disciple-makers, uh, Jim lived into his hundreds and um, was just as passionate about following Jesus and sharing his faith um, at the age of 100 as he as he was when he was new in the faith. So definitely someone to look up to and and want to to become like as you get older. But he would share the 80, what he called the 80-20 rule, which is a little bit different than the, the Pareto principle, the 80-20. <laughs> he would basically say that when you're sure. meeting with someone, it actually kind of touches on our, our listener question, which is interesting. Um, he would say that you want, you want it, someone's growth to be interest-based. So what are they interested in? What, what's front of, of mind for them? Uh, what, you want to know that because you want to be relevant to what God is teaching them. Um, and so he would spend 80% of the time, if he was sitting down meeting with someone, talking about things that they were interested in or things that were going on in their lives, life currently. And he would try to bring scripture and God's wisdom to bear on those things. But he basically claimed 20% of the time, that, hey, 20% of the time he wanted to introduce um, truth or subjects that he knew they needed to be focusing on that might not even be on their radar. And so that's, um, that's a, a thought that comes to my mind, Abigail. And I think we talked about that a little bit as we were texting, um, that you do want to, you, you want to have both. I mean, you want to meet people where they're at. And yet at the same time, you know, that there are topics that they need to be thinking about that, that they may not be. Yeah. I think this kind of brings up two different things. I want to make sure we cover both. One is, um, I think this does flip uh, kind of cultural mentality on how we're relating to each other as believers in a normal 
it is the person with the wisdom um, talking at the other person. And what you just said really switched that because if you're going to be related to, um, you know, what they're interested in, what they're worried about for their own life, then there's going to be a lot of listening involved in that. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I want to talk about, so and this is like my mom brain making notes out loud, <laughs> is just the um, the idea that if I only have 20%, I really need to make sure it is the most important things. Hmm. Um, and that actually helps me self-regulate, like um, what is the main thing that is important for me to talk to them about? Um, and that's actually really, really good too. So I want to kind of like work through those. We'll start with the first one of just this idea of, you know, how do we listen intentionally to what is going on in their lives. Um, and then how do we then tie that in with what we know to be true? Um, and so you're saying that's like the, the 80%, right? Like as far as, you know, we're spending time with their questions, with their heart or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's so important because again, that that's, that's what they're interested in at that moment. So, um, I've got um, I've got a, a theory that that minors become major um, when people are stuck on them. So if, if someone is stuck mm-hmm. on, is the King James the only true English version of the Bible? Well, we would look at that and say like, oh my gosh, there's so much more that you need to be learning about the Bible than fixating on, is this particular English translation the only valid one? And yet some people like, they can't get past that. So even though we would look at that and say that that's a, that's a minor issue, a very minor issue, um, it's worth addressing and helping someone work through that um, because they can get stuck on it and then they're never gonna get around to the more important issues. And I think a lot of uh, First Corinthians is Paul doing that, that there were, there were issues that he wouldn't normally talk about to a general audience, but they were, they were things that that audience needed to, the Corinthians needed to hear and needed to work through if they were going to grow to maturity and be, and be healthy in their faith. So yeah, we have to listen and be aware of what people are going through and then address it so that we can get to, you know, those deeper topics, Abby. Oh, yeah, that's really, really good. I'm just going to repeat because I think it's worth repeating. What you're saying was we, if we let the minor things fester in someone's life and not really address it with, you know, with a biblical view, um, then they become major in their lives. And we don't want that to happen. So that's a really great way to look at that discipleship relationship. Okay, so one, we're just going to spend a few minutes on just this other side of the coin, which I mentioned. What was it? And well, Andrew, pop quiz. What was the second part? So said, I can't remember. I just said it. Everyone's yelling it at me. <laughs> no, no. I think you were talking about, um, you know, we, we want to get around to the majors. Yes. Um, so yes, we want to address these minors, but yeah. But yeah. And I think this is good too, because if you start thinking about your times with your disciples as 80, 20, then it kind of really puts you, this is good for me. Like, because sometimes I have my own minor things that I'm just really harping on, or maybe that God's teaching me and that's good and important for my journey, but that does not mean that it's something I need to just spend Mm. all my time with my disciples 
just going off about whatever it is I'm learning yeah. in, yes. <laughs> in Genesis right now, even though it's really good. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so I think it helps. Disciple making is like, <laughs> it's, it's part art, it's part science. And this is like, and that's the great thing about it is, you know, one thing that Cecil told me, uh, the guy who discipled me is that, you know, so I'm 47 and naturally when I'm meeting with someone, let's say I'm meeting with someone who's in their twenties, um, I'm excited about what God's teaching me right now at the age of 47, but that person usually needs to hear something along the lines of what God was teaching me when I was their age. Mm -hmm. And so the, it, you want to be honest about what God's teaching you, but, but you really do want it to be centered on what does this person need in this moment? So if it's a minor issue, address that. If it's to, to introduce some of the, the, the more important themes and topics of the Bible, then, then you want to make sure that you introduce that. Um, Abby, what do you think about this? The 80-20 principle can really take a lot of pressure off people too. I think some people, they're intimidated by, hey, I'm going to go meet with this person. And you're right. Like we kind of have this, this ideal in our head that if I'm discipling someone, then I'm just going to lecture them for whatever. We're going to meet for coffee and I'm mm -hmm. going to lecture them for an hour about these deep things in the scripture. But the 80-20, it really sort of takes that off that you're going to, takes that off your shoulders that you do want to understand, hey, what is the main thing that I do want to bring up during this time with this younger mm -hmm. believer, but it's going to be 20% of the time. It's not going to be something that I have to, to come up with an hour's worth of great teaching. Um, but I want to introduce a topic and then spend about 20% of our time talking through it together. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you brought this up because this is something that I've been we, I've been working with um, just one of my ladies on, and we've been using kind of the same model, the twenty eighty kind of idea, but more along the lines of when you're meeting new people and you're mm. sharing, you know, vision and purpose, and maybe they seem like sort of interested, or they're at least like up for being friends with you. Um, and so we've used the same model for that as well, which we should probably do a whole podcast on of just the idea of if they accept you as the messenger, you know, you, you know, they're like, you seem like a cool person, but they don't really necessarily accept maybe our our mission of like doing house church or whatever. We don't want to spend like all this time, like bombarding them with like facts about right. why it's the best way to do stuff. Um, and so we've been kind of using that same idea and model and it does take off a lot of pressure. doesn't mean that we have to just share everything with everyone all in one sitting or, you know, even every time that we're just like, really hitting it home. And like the person's just like, wow, really had enough of you. <laughs> so I think, um, I think it really works on a lot of levels. Um, so math, it's actually really useful, you guys. So, um, so yeah, I think that this, um, hopefully that is helpful for our listeners of just, as you're sitting down with a disciple, you know, not all the pressure is on you. Like a lot of the time is really just asking good questions. Um, and for me, that's like something I've never been like super good at. So that's a good thing to be practicing of like, what are good questions that could get really great in-depth yeah. response? And I'm just going to go ahead and say we did a really great article um, a few weeks ago. Um, you can look it up. Um, it's on shepherding um, and it's, uh, it's the balance between grace and truth. And she has some great questions at the end of that right. post um, that you can use if you are not a good question asker. She's got some good ones for you. So I think we'll, we'll end it up there for today, even though I'm sure there's more. 
All right, so we're going to head into our final segment, which is our faith and culture segment of our show. We're going to talk about um, homeschooling versus going to public school or private school for the Christian family. Andrew, so you and I together, we have both homeschooled and sent our kids to school. So um, we probably have uh, things to say on both sides, but maybe we can just do a little pro-con or how we go about making the decisions for our families. Yeah, this is a, um, obviously, this is a live issue among believers, and I think it has been for decades now, actually. The, the homeschool movement oh, yeah. has, um, I think, probably been dominated by uh, people who, people of faith, and Christians in particular. It's, it's growing much broader, um, and, and the whole idea of what's the best school experience to to guide your children through, I think has become a much bigger topic in, in culture at large. So this is a, a great, um, faith and culture segment topic, I believe, because it's always been, I think for decades now, it's been a big deal for believers. I do think it's becoming a bigger deal just in, in our, our society and in our culture. Um, like you said, Abigail, our, we have four kids and only one right now who is still in primary school. He's a, a freshman, finishing up his freshman year of high school. So our kids are mostly out of school, but we did it all. We did homeschool. We did public school. We had one year that our daughter went to a private Christian school. Um, so we didn't do as much of the private school, but we did quite a bit of both homeschool and public school. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I don't know how deep we're going to be able to dive into it. But um, some of the, the pros, well, let me just back up. As a parent, and we've talked about this, I think, but it's, it's, it's good to repeat. I think as parents, our, our job is to protect and prepare our children for adulthood, for their lives. Um, and we're guiding them towards their adult lives, which means that we have to protect them because there are real threats um, in the world, both physical threats, um, uh, intellectual th- uh, threats, spiritual threats. But we also have to prepare them, and sometimes these things exist in tension. My favorite story of this um, in Scripture is Joseph. Um, you know, Joseph, at the end of his life, he said, you know, he told his brothers they had betrayed him, and he told them, you know, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Like, he could look back at the difficulties that God had brought him through, and he could see that, that God's hand was in it. But I've, also, I've often thought about Jacob. You know, Jacob lost... 30 plus years with his son, who he was very close to. And of course, like if Jacob could have prevented all of that from happening to Joseph, you know, he would have, you know, he would have protected him. He would have valued protecting Joseph above preparing him for this purpose that God had. But God obviously valued the preparation that Joseph needed to experience above protection. So I think um, I want to put that in the beginning because I think for me, it really guided our, our thought process and our conversations. My wife, Cindy, and I, as we thought about our kids, is um, how do we navigate protecting them and preparing them? And for us, public school provided a great opportunity to prepare our kids for adulthood. Um, so I, I just there's more that we could dive into there, but I don't want to just monologue the whole time. But let me just kind of... <laughs> Throw that out as a starting point, Abigail. What has it been like for you and Brad as you've thought through schooling? Yeah, um, you know, when we were first with our first child, you know, how we were going to navigate the school 
thing. Um, we were we made this big statement that we were going to pray every year for every kid individually, that we were never going to make a blanket statement. Um, and we were never just going to also make just a choice like up front, like we're going to homeschool for the next 12 years, or we're going to, you know, send our kids to school for the next 12 years. Um, and so that sounded really good and also really holy. And so we went with that. <laughs> Um, it is much harder to do in reality yeah. when you have oh, yeah. many children. And, and by the way, like it's almost the end of another school year. It just flew by just like that. And, you know, we're supposed to pray about the next year already. It's already right. upon us. <laughs> anyway, so I just want to throw that joke in that it's actually, <laughs> it's, it's exhausting. So if you're in this right now, um, I feel you, it's very mm -hmm. exhausting. Um, I have a child starting kindergarten next year, which is very exciting and sad, um, and then I'll have a fifth grader and a third grader. Um, and it really, I, I totally agree with what you said, Andrew, and we probably could just leave it there, but I know that there's a lot of, you know, just scariness wrapped up in this issue. And so it's worth repeating. Um, I think especially as things are coming up in your year, whatever is important to you, um, if it's, you know, your kids' education, like truly that they get a really good education? Um, or are you really just there to have your kids um, grow up to be good people? Uh, and I tend to be in the second category of that. Like I, I would like for them to know how to read um, and maybe like add and subtract. I'm like, I'm cool with that too. But you know, like... <laughs> Right. All the rest is like gravy, friends, because um, really what school tends, ends up being is like just so much socialization and so much if, if your kids are in school, by the way, um, then there's so much socialization and there's so much just worldly things that they're going to come across and not necessarily scary worldly things, but people in um, different economic groups that they've right. never been around or people of different skin color or different religions that really just within our own friend circle, we were not going to experience. So um, that can be very scary. Like you think it's going to be very cool and awesome for your kids to experience that. But in reality, you might come up against it and you have issues or problems or things that scare you because they're new and different. Um, and, and I think my first reaction is to like whip my kids out of school real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, we, and, or even just issues with your kid, like you think, man, they're spending more time at school than they are with me. Um, and I, I think each one of those times that it's happened, sometimes it is legitimate to pull your kid out of school. Um, and I think the Lord makes that very, very clear. Just one-on-one -on -one time with your child is going to be really important right now. You need to do it. Um, and I think it all comes back to praying over our kids, um, just continually asking the Lord to give us guidance. And I think what you said, Andrew, is so good because, like you said, it's not like his Joseph's father really would have wanted him to experience that. And so mm -hmm. by giving our kids over to the Lord continually, asking him what he wants to do with our kids mm -hmm. really is putting a trust in the Lord. That's probably one of our highest levels of trust because our kids oh. are so important to us. Um, but there's a Lordship decision on, in our kids as well. You guys, it's like probably master class level. So right. um, I think for, for us, um, this continues to go back to, to praying over them and asking the Lord what is most important for them. Um, I think the big three prayers that we pray for our kids 
Um, and this then kind of encompasses their schooling is their salvation, who their friends are and who their future spouse will be if they have a spouse. Um, and so those are the prayers that I pray for our kids all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in doing that, schooling kind of falls into place in that. Um, and so I think um, my answer to the faith and culture question is a different answer. It's pray for these other things and that will, <laughs> yeah. will fall into place. Well, so, something I want to get in here. I know we're running short on time, but I, I think with homeschool, I felt it in myself and I've, I've observed it in other uh, Christian friends, a lot of times it's, it's, it's driven by fear. Um, and so I'm, I'm for sure not going to even consider public school or, or homeschool is, is the locked answer because that's what, that is the least fearful option. Um, and I, I would just say like, that's not a great, that's not a great basis for making decisions, you know, mm -hmm. for yourself or for your children, you know, fear, really is the opposite of faith. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't still end up homeschooling your kids. It just shouldn't be like, I'm not even going to consider it because I'm fearful of what my kids might be exposed to or they might get brainwashed by. That's one thing <laughs> I think, and it's real. That, that's, a real that's a real consideration. Yeah. We just don't want to just immediately. Mm -hmm. Secondly, protect and prepare. You know, Keep that in mind. We homeschooled our He's a freshman this year. We homeschooled him in the eighth grade because we felt like he was developmentally um, in, in a place where he was very influenced by his friends. And eighth grade is a time where it's right, right in between. Really, it's kind of in between these these childhood relationships, and you know, people are um, going through puberty at different stages. So there are people who are getting into things in the seventh and eighth grade that um, we just didn't want him to be getting into because we didn't really feel like he was mature at a, at a level to navigate that. So we homeschooled him. Um, so it's not like it's one or the other. Like you said, it really should be something that you're trying to come, you're, you're trying to revisit. Uh, I would, I would mm -hmm. hope on a, on a monthly basis or a, a, a yearly basis. <laughs> no, not a monthly. <laughs> yeah, not a monthly basis. That... It's already bad enough, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, that's so, really good, Andrew. I think, and and like it plays into, you may not think it's fear, but it can also just be, for me, it was like control, which is right. actually fear, right? Yes, like right. I wanted to control what my kids, their experiences, like I wanted to know what they all were all the time, right. um, which was really based in fear. So that you really got to like the real, the real nut of the problem. Yeah, and and the last thing I would say, Abby, Abby, is that you don't outsource the development of your kids. Like even if they're in public school, yeah, um, that's it doesn't mean that you're just okay. Well, they're good. No, I mean you want to be engaged with your kids, and you you want to maintain the kind of relationship where you can talk. You are talking through struggles and challenges that they're facing. You're not just kind of throwing them to the wolves and throwing them in the deep end and well, they'll figure it out. I mean, you're still the parent. So even even as they're in public school, you want to be parenting them and helping them think through and work through some of the challenges that, that they are going to come up, uh, they're, they're going to experience. So I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm not saying like, hey, yeah, if, yeah, you're either homeschooling or you're just outsourcing that. No, you're you're still parenting either way. 
Absolutely. That's that's a great point to make. Um, we're we're still the filter um, that everything should go through, um, which is hopefully a very biblical filter that their whole existence is going through for, you know, 18 years. Um, so I, I think that's great. We probably have a lot more there, but I'm sure we'll we'll get to it, friends. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but thanks so much for listening. Um, if you have any thoughts, you want to add any questions, as always, you can comment on our social media, on Instagram and Facebook. You can also send us an email at info at intotheharvest.org. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.